listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Hey, Northside, great to be back with you. And uh, just first of all, just want to say thank you for uh, sending me as your ambassador to Maasai Land, Kenya. And I'm fresh back from that. You can see from my belt right here, this beautiful uh, Maasai belt. It's got my name on the back. If you look carefully right there, in case anybody doesn't know my name, they can just uh, read it there. And uh, so just just had an incredible trip. Uh, got to uh, join Paul and Pam Highfield there in Maasai Land, one of, some of our workers. And, and first of all, had a day and a half seminar with some Maasai pastors. There's a picture up here of just some of them. That's not all, but some of us that, that got together. It was a deeply meaningful and powerful time with those guys. And uh, one of the favorite things for me in that trip. And then got to have three different building blessings um, with churches that you've been supporting and we've been partnering with, uh, which was an incredible experience. And then got to go to the land of Parmalili, where uh, a church you've already funded to partner with the Maasai is going to happen probably within this next year. And we just got to pray over that land right there and God's blessing of that church and that community of Parmalili. And it was just a powerful uh, week that I got to spend with them there. And I'm grateful for that. And then came home and uh, two days later realized uh, I had COVID. I think it was the first time I got it. And so then pretty much missed uh, all of VBS. I think that's the first time in 28 years uh, that that's happened for me, which was a huge bummer and just had to kind of celebrate from afar. Uh, but, but God really used this trip in a powerful way. And I, I want to just give you, just take a moment to give you a brief clip uh, I was, we were at a Pusamoro, which was still being built. The roof wasn't even on it yet. So the, the whole church didn't come together. It was just one evening. We ran out there. Some of the people gathered. We had a prayer time there. James, the minister there at a Pusamoro, he, uh, shared a greeting. And in the middle of it, I'm like, oh, he's saying thank you to me and, and to you. And Cosmos is interpreting. And I, and I hope uh, that the audio isn't great from my phone, but I grabbed it out and recorded really fast. And I want you to hear his thank you, which, of course, he's, he's basically saying, we don't even know where he came from. Talk about me. We don't even know where he came from. You know, this church, you, the North Side, you know, we, we don't even know where that is. Uh, but God brings people together. And it's just a, a neat moment. And you'll see that. And you'll see a, a brief clip of, of at Okaroy, uh, the cutting of the ribbon for the building blessing. And then a picture of me. Uh, someone took a still shot because I didn't have my phone on me on that day as we were dancing there at Losho and worshiping. And uh, so if you give your attention to the screen, you can just see a, a little bit of that right now. Who knows where America is? We don't know even which <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where <laughs> But God really makes people to meet, even if you don't know where he is from. <laughs> and God will just bring all of them together. And make people to be together, even if you don't know where they came from. <laughs> and also uh, put people together who are blacks and white. They have different colors. <laughs> and make us to be one. And we know that we are really <laughs> And know that we are the children of God for one God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, we say thank you that we, <laughs> we, just say, we are just saying thank you until we go 
Praise God for the good work He's doing with our friends in Maasai land and just grateful, grateful for what He's doing. And of course, the greeting of James, it was so meaningful just to hear him thanking you. And, and I just want to say thank you. In fact, Ashe Oling, that's how they say thank you in Maasai land. Can we all just say that together? Ashe Oling, Ashe Oling, thank you very much. And uh, I'm just grateful to them and the time we spent together. And, and I'll tell you something else I'm grateful for today because I missed out on a lot of it. But this is a heartfelt appreciation I want to give to our staff and our volunteers and workers who served all week long at our vacation Bible school. I called Tiffany one day and I said, how many kids are there today? She said, 398. And I said, how many people are working, serving, and helping today? She said, there's 228 that are serving. And she said, Wayne, I'm going to tell you, this is the first time in all the years that I've been at Northside. And she's been here like a bunch of years, like big time, double digit, many years. She said, uh, this is the first time since I've been at Northside that a week and a half out from VBS, we had every, all of our essential positions filled. We weren't in that final week just saying, God, help, you know, help provide somebody to, to serve in this way. And she goes, people signed up. People came out and they served like crazy. And our decoration team, if you saw it, they rocked it. I mean, it was amazing. And yeah, thank you for that. And our, our kids were coming in and just saying, whoa, this is so cool. And, and uh, Tiffany, you know, the, the theme, treasured, the theme song went like this. I'm a priceless treasure. God knows me. God hears me. God is my comfort, forgiven and chosen. I'm a treasure. And in her K through fourth grade Bible time, she said that she was sharing about Peter when he denied Jesus and just talking about how sometimes we get hurt and hurt by people. And, and she said, uh, has there ever been a time when you, you felt hurt? You know, you felt hurt by somebody. And so the kids were sharing, telling their stories in their groups about times when they felt hurt. And she says it was so precious because as they're sharing their hurts, other kids would come up around them and just put their arm around them. And they would just, and she goes, the day before it was about comfort, how we comfort each other with the comfort we receive from God. Like we comfort each other. And so she said, to see that played out in real time, little kids just comforting one another and loving on other kids as they were telling their stories of hurt. And then for her to be able to teach about forgiveness that day and what that looks like when we forgive others because God's forgiven us and just how precious it was. I mean, it was just, just to hear the stories that were coming from that moment of children learning about who God is and being obedient to him was powerful. And I just want to express our appreciation right now to everybody who served this week, our kids. So those 398, so thank you. Thank you for that so much. And, uh, and then you can just be in prayer this week. You know, on Tuesday, we'll be hosting our community. 
and uh, they come in to vote. There's this, the primary election this week, which I'm going to encourage all of you to, to go do that this week. And, and uh, we just host people from our community, and, and we, we make coffee, and, and we try to be hospitable to our community. And people will come in, and we always have people poke their head into the office, ask a few questions about the church, and because we get to be hospitable to them and host them here. And so just be praying about that, how God would use that, just somebody coming in and, and doing their privilege and their duty, which, by the way, I would say you should do. You know, John Quincy Adams was asked why he kept fighting to end slavery after trying to get it abolished in America for so many years, and his answer was, duty is ours, results are God's. The duty is ours, and the results are God's. And so, you know, voting is a privilege and a duty if we want to remain a free nation. So I want to encourage you to do that this week. But also just be praying that God would even just, someone coming would uh, open some doors for them there. Well, this morning I want us to read scripture, read from the word of God. Let's stand together. We're going to be reading from Haggai chapter one. And as we read together in our year of Bible engagement, we come to these minor prophets. And I want us to read what Haggai has to say, a pointed conversation. It doesn't surprise you because we're in the prophets. So it shouldn't surprise you. But here's what Haggai in the divine authority of God's word says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with your own houses. Therefore, because of the heavens have withheld, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hand. God gives this short, pointed message to Haggai. We know that it's divine authority from God because over and over again, in fact, 26 times in 38 verses, Haggai says, thus says the Lord. This is coming from God. The Lord says this. This has divine authority. And Haggai even gives us the exact dates that he's writing this. We know that it was September 1st, 520 BC, when he receives the first message that he proclaims to the people. And we know it's December 24th, Christmas Eve. They didn't know about Christmas Eve yet. It was Christmas Eve, December 24th of 520 BC, when he gives his last message. A four-month period of time. Haggai comes at the people with a message from God and he's short and pointed and we're going to look at their response today about how they responded. And as we get into this text, I want to give you a little context. So as you're seated right now, let's talk about this. Because Israel has been in Babylon in captivity and now the Persian Empire has overtaken Babylon and King Cyprus in 538 BC told 
issued a decree that allowed Jews to go back to their homeland to rebuild their temple. That's why they get to go back. Rebuild your temple. 50,000 go back to rebuild their temple. And they start the work on it. In fact, Ezra chapter 4 through 6 gives us the background and describes how the the Samaritans were trying to hinder their work and discourage them and wrote a letter to the Persian king to try to get them to stop. And the combination of that discouragement along with their land was, was unproductive and its produce and building was hard. And, and because of their discouragement, they became pessimistic. And it led the people who had come back to rebuild the temple into a season of spiritual lethargy. They, they showed spiritual neglect. And they just shifted their focus from rebuilding the temple where the presence of God would be dwelling among their midst. And they're like, you know, we got uh, more important things to do, like building our houses. And they began to focus on their homes and their fine paneled homes. And, and in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2, the people said, you know, it's not time to build the Lord's house. And God is saying, it's not time to build the Lord's house, but it's time to build yours. God is saying, you didn't hear a call to rebuild my house, but you heard a call to rebuild yours? Where'd you hear that? Where did that come from? Who gave you that idea? God's like, you have no problem building your rich dwellings, your paneled houses for yourself, and and yet you claim that the time for building the temple has not yet come. How did you come to that conclusion? How did you determine that? What set the priority in your life? Who did that come from? Did that come from me? God is asking them. Yeah, you're, you're saying, well, well, we never said we would never do it. Yeah, you didn't say you would never do it, but you're not doing it. And you're putting it off and it's not a priority. In fact, it's a pretty low priority in your life right now. And God is saying to his people, have you not made the connection? Have you not made this connection that, that your economic tragedy over here, your lack of return on your investment, your lack of crops and rain and food and drink, those meager harvests that you're experiencing, your money outflow, <coughs> excuse me, where it feels like you just put it in a purse with holes in it and it's just falling out. Where's the money going? He said, have you not made the connection that with all of that going on in your life right now, that that's because I've withdrawn my blessing from your life? Are you not making the connection? It's because you're trying to do life without me. I'm not the priority of your heart and you can't do life without me. Life without God does not work. Life without God at the center is going to mess up. You're going to be spinning your wheels. Have you not thought about the fact that this is a divine drought? That the fact that you're, you're struggling is because I'm divinely, in a sense, working against you to bring awakening to you and it's taking you so long to notice. God's like, you're my people. I chose you. I brought you out. I'm raising you up. And, and, and I am not your priority. There was a direct correlation between their lack of resources, their lack of fulfillment, their sense of feeling empty in their hearts and empty in their pockets, and the spiritual indifference by which they were lo- living their lives. God was not the priority of their heart. And because of that, they were experiencing the punishment of God. And four times in these two short chapters, Haggai's like the shortest prophet outside of Obadiah, um, four times in those two chapters, God says, give careful thought to your ways. Every Sunday morning is a good time to give careful thought to our ways. To hear from God, to reorder 
what is not right in our lives and to look at the priority of our hearts. God is telling his people, your priority is upside down, it's backwards, it's out of whack. And I have a feeling that for a lot of us, we too could use a priority shift. Because priority is not about fitting God into my life. That's not what priority is. It's about God having priority over me. God has priority over me. It's not about me trying to fit God into my life as if he's just one of several priorities that I have. I mean, I mean do you recall, let's, let's think back for a moment. Let's reflect on the very first words of the Bible, of Scripture. In fact, I, I would imagine that many of you in this room could quote it. You could quote this with me from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And if you're able to quote it with me, maybe you could just say it with me. In the beginning, God. There was a time when there was nothing, there was no one but God. There were no people. There were no created beings. There was no angels. There was no planet, no earth, no solar system. The earth was just a thought in God's mind. It was just a thought in his mind. No one, nothing existed but God. The one who was and is and will always be. God who says, my name is I am. I just, I am. Always have been, always will be, I am. This is the God that we're talking about. God who is eternal. There was a time when it was just God. Yet we walk around today like the world revolves around us. Everything's centered around us. And when we walk around like everything's revolving around it, like we are the priority, which is how many of us live. In fact, most of our world lives without question. I am the priority. And when we walk around like that, thinking that we're the priority then every decision we make in our lives ultimately comes back to me. And so when you think, ask questions like these, we answer with ourselves at the center of the question. And so when you ask, who gets the first part of your day? Who gets that? Like, well, I do. I I like a little time set for me, a little me time, get my coffee. and It's about me. Who gets the first part of our week? I do. I, most people are not making time for God as a priority, especially on, on a Sunday, on the first day of the week, when historically the church gathered to hear from him so they could obey him. Who gets the first part of my income, my finances? Anything that I receive, who gets that? I do. Who determines what I do? Who determines what I do with my body? Who determines what I do sexually and who I do it with? I do. Who determines what I do with a life inside of my body? I do. Who gets the primary voice in my life? as to how I see myself or how I identify or how I view myself or how I feel about myself or ultimately who determines who I am. Who determines that? I do. Who determines what's true and right for me? Who, de- 
determines that for me? It's not going to be you. It's I do. Who determines my list of priorities in my life? I do. Who determines who I forgive or who I love or who I serve or who I show compassion to? Who's going to determine that? I will. I do. Who determines what is right and wrong or sinful? I do. Who determines my goals, my direction, or purpose in life? Who determines that? I do. Who determines my response to someone who hurts me, disagrees with me, is not morally aligned with me, politically opposite of me? Who determines that? I do. I make those decisions for me. And Haggai challenges anyone who would ever say it. In fact, he stands in opposition to that kind of thinking because he's bringing a word from God as God's mouthpiece in which he's saying to us, give careful thought to your ways. Because if God is not the priority of your heart and the affection of your heart, if he is not Lord over all of your life, your, your priority is completely backwards, upside down, messed up. Who is your priority? When you make decisions, you often start with yourself and then you work from there. And Haggai's saying, that's the wrong place to start. You're starting with yourself. My house, my penthouse, we're going to start there with me and then we'll get to God when we can. No, if, if that's backwards. You've you got to be more concerned about God than yourself. You've got to come to a point in your life where you acknowledge that God is the priority. Don't start with yourself. Don't be like the boy whose grandfather gave him the two dollar coins. Have you ever seen those? Or had those? Two dollar coins. He said, one is for God. Give that in the offering when you go to church. And the other one is for you to get a candy bar. And the boy was so excited. He had these two coins in his hands. So as he was walking down the sidewalk, he was tossing these coins in the air and catching them, listening to them clank in his hands and just throwing them up and catching them. And he was so excited about the two coins. Well, as he threw it up and he, he caught them, uh, one kind of hit off the other and he ended up dropping both. And they were rolling on the sidewalk and he was trying to corral them really quick. And, and he grabbed one, but one went off onto the, the curb right there, off, off the curb. And when he went to grab it, it went right into the storm drain. Right there was an opening. And he lost the coin. He could see it partially down there, but he couldn't reach it. He couldn't get to it. Immediately, the boy just said, sorry, God, for losing your coin. (laughs) Now, how did he come to that conclusion? What Did the grandpa write on the coins, you know, candy bar, God? And he's like, oh, oh no, God's went down the drain. No, he came to that conclusion on his own because he did what a lot of us tend to do. He just started with himself and we start with our own desires and our own wants and our own needs. And, and when we receive, we immediately assume, that, okay, this is mine. And then we give God the leftovers or we give God something else. He's not the priority of our heart or the priority of our life. But when we give to God first, we are declaring. In fact, in that moment, there's a sense in which we're demonstrating that he carries more weight than anything else in our life. He is the priority. He's the priority. Maybe you've noticed, I, I've noticed this recently. I don't even know how long it's been there, but on, on, on Google Drive, on my drive, you know, you got the, the tabs over here on the left and there's now one just, just right over my drive and it says priority. Like you click on it and it shows the things you've been working on, the things I guess have been the kind of the priority projects that you've been a, a part of and it's quick access to get those things. That's like priority. And I, 
I, I saw that and I was just thinking, you know, the, the, the priority page, the priority page of our lives should always be God. It's the first thing you ought to see there. It's, it's God. He is the priority. Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. First things first. Seek first the kingdom of God. God's glory is to be your priority. That means God must be reordered in your life. He must be the priority of your heart, the priority of your day. He must be at the center of it all because Jesus is, and the kingdom is first. In fact, Jesus is first. Colossians 1 says Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. That means he is preeminent. Firstborn, not meaning he was like the first one that, that God was the father that, that you know, gave birth to Jesus. It means preeminence. He's supreme over all, firstborn over all. In Revelation 22, Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the last, the first. He was saying from the first letter in the Greek alphabet to the last, I'm I'm all of it. I'm everything, all-encompassing. In John 15, Jesus said, you got to abide in me because apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm everything. I sustain everything. I hold it all together. If I'm not the priority, you got nothing. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said that to deny yourself, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Not my will, but yours be done. Saying no to self and yes to God because he is the priority. It could not be more clear throughout Scripture. And the reason I'm referencing Jesus in all of this is because ultimately Jesus was the fulfillment of Haggai's message. In fact, the key application of the book of Haggai in a gospel-centered way is to see that the temple, like the tabernacle before it, was the place where God's presence would dwell among his people in a powerful way. And it was just foreshadowing Jesus. Because we know from Scripture that Jesus came and tabernacled among us, according to John chapter 1. He lived among us. Jesus was here. He came among us. He declared himself to be the new temple. In John chapter 2, he said, you're destroyed. And in three days, it'll be rebuilt. It'll be risen again. He was the new temple. We know from Scripture that because Jesus is that temple, that uh, we know he, ultimately he's the fulfillment of that temple and that when, when Haggai talks about how God would do a shaking of the nations and they would all desire to come in and, and God would fill his house with glory. I mean, ultimately it's Jesus who, this very temple which got expanded by Herod, Jesus walked into. And Jesus is the glory of God and he fulfilled it in every way. And as his body, we are the church being built up, the Bible says, into a holy temple according to Ephesians chapter 2. And so the message of the book for Christians today is not primarily about rebuilding some temple in Jerusalem as God was wanting them to do in that moment, but it's about the ongoing work of building up the people of God, a work that is primarily God's, a work which he by his Holy Spirit invites us to participate in because we too are being built up into a holy temple, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. He's doing that in us when he's the priority, the priority of our hearts, the priority of our lives. It's about reordering our lives so that he is that priority. And what I want you to notice is is what happens here. Because in Haggai chapter 1, 12 through 15, we read this. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheotil, and Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. What? They obeyed it? Man, 
Everything we've been reading about the prophets up to this point, Jeremiah would have been like, yeah, that would have been nice after 40 years of his prophetic ministry. And nobody, nobody ever responding and obeying. He's like, why does Haggai get all the, the repentance? Come on. So Haggai, like they obeyed it. <laughs> it says, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave his message, this message to the Lord. Okay, let me back up. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I'm with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stripped, man, I cannot read. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Wow. Bottom line, they obeyed Haggai's message. They obeyed it. Just 23 days after Haggai gave his first prophetic word, the people began to do the work on the temple for the, for the first time in 14 years. It probably took them some of those days just to start getting the supplies and getting things together. And it's one of those rare occasions when they just responded immediately. They heard a word from God and they obeyed it. You realize that is what must be done with every message that God gives. Every message from God's word must be obeyed. That, that's what is required of us. It's not intended to educate us more or inspire us. It's meant to be obeyed. You know, occasionally when I preach a sermon, someone may, may compliment the message. And, and occasionally they may thank me for that message. Occasionally they may say, you know, that resonated with me or that really hit me or that moved me. And, and every time, sometimes every once in a while, that was the best sermon you ever preached, you know. And then you're kind of like, was that really the best one I've ever preached? I hope that, uh, maybe I can do better than that. And, um, but no, all of those I take as a compliment. It's encouraging to hear them. But what is the real test as to whether a message has been received or not? What is the real test? The real test is whether we go do it or not. Which is why, honestly, the best compliment to any message that's given from God is not just when someone compliments you about a good word, but when someone says, hey, because of what God said there that you were talking about today, here's what I did. Here's what I did. Every message from God must be obeyed. It's better to not hear a message than to hear a message and do nothing about it. In the whole telling of the wise and foolish builder, Jesus said the difference between the wise builder on the rock and the foolish builder on the sand was that the wise builder heard and obeyed. If you hear and you don't obey, you're foolish. And you're building on sand and it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall. Obedience is what God wants from us. And these people, they obeyed. They were stirred, it says. God stirred their spirit. Each and every one of them, there was a sense of urgency to obey what God had said to them, what, what pleased God. And, and, and the, they realized in that moment, God does not have the priority in our lives, and he must have the priority. He is preeminent. He must be supreme. He must rule over all. Instead of making a name for ourselves, let's make a name for God. Instead of making time for ourselves, let's make time for God. Instead of bringing glory to ourselves, let's bring glory to God. Instead of making ourselves the priority, let's make God the priority of our heart. God, we make you the priority over our lives. Someone once said it this way, it does not take much of a person to become a Christian, but it does take all of that person. 
When you become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, when you come, when you're saved, it's not going to take much from you. You don't have much to offer, but it's going to take all of you. It's going to take all that you have. And today, this is us saying, first things first, God, you have priority over all my life. You have priority over every area. There's nothing held back. And I'm just wondering, is the Spirit of God stirring in you? Like it stirred in the people who listened to Haggai. As you hear God's message, is there something about the Spirit of God that's stirring in you too? Because we need to invite that Spirit to stir, to move, to prompt, to reveal something to you that He wants you to obey. Because here's the reason. Just as God wanted His presence to be among His people, and, and his, his presence was not there because He was not the priority. They weren't building the temple so His presence could be there among them. So it could also be a light to the nation so His glory could be present. I want you to realize that you... According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you, the body of Christ, but also you, this body in which the Holy Spirit dwells, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound familiar from 1 Corinthians chapter 6? If you have the Holy Spirit in you, every believer Christian does, that means you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He now dwells within you in every believer, every Christian's life. And if that is the case, that every part of our bodies, our faculty, our mind, our appendages, everything we have, God is the priority. God is the priority of our decision-making. God is the priority over our bodies. God is the priority over our relationships. God is the priority over our sexual expressions. And in all of that, holiness will be the outcome. Because this is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And so it, does he have priority in this temple? Does he have priority in this place? In fact, um, every week when we preach from the word of God, it is to allow God's word to speak into our lives so that we can obey it and follow it and make sure Jesus is the affection of our heart in every area of our lives. That's why at times we talk about things that are just incredibly uncomfortable. You know, one of the things I'm actually really appreciative of, excited about, looking forward to, something we've been talking about for quite a while now among our staff team and, and with our youth team, is uh, something that, that we're launching on September 11th. It'd be easy for you to remember that, 9-11. So that date ought to stand out in all of your minds. But... On Sunday nights, beginning September 11th, we're going to be offering this fall for all of our 9th through 12th graders, our high school students, as well as for all of their parents. So parents, you're invited to come to this as well. As well as all the parents of our middle schoolers. Middle schoolers will not be participating in this particular thing, but the parents are invited to do that. So you can be learning from this and sharing those conversations with your kids as you see appropriate. And others who want to grow in this area, there's going to be a 12-week course on Christian sexuality. And it's going to be a biblical perspective on sexual integrity. It's going to deal with issues like singleness and sexuality and porn and masturbation and shame and guilt and LGBTQ identities and transgender issues. All of it from a biblical perspective, allowing God to speak into this helping grow our understanding and our awareness of this. And it's going to begin on September 11th, 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. this fall. It's, it's for the students, the parents, people who would be interested in learning more about this. Every one of our high school 
Uh, students, uh, parents all received an email. You should have had that by now. So check your email if you don't have it. And uh, if you're not getting emails from the church, just reach out to our church so we can make sure you're on there. We had a few people reach out a couple weeks ago and they're like, hey, I'm not getting emails. And it's like, oh, it's because you unsubscribed. If you've ever unsubscribed, it's impossible. We cannot send it to you. So uh, you'll have to get that fixed. So um, we want you all this in your hands. And one of the reasons you need that email is because it's talking about an important parent meeting that's coming up to just... Obviously, with something of this nature, we're going to be talking about for 12 weeks this fall in our Sunday nights through life groups and, and through, uh, we'll be doing that in here, in this room, to, to start off with, uh, with some video curriculum stuff. Uh, we want to make sure you know about this. So on August 28th, parents, uh, from at both our 9 a.m. service and our 1030 service, we're going to have a parent meeting for you to go to. It'll be up in M1 in our mezzanine up here. So you can go to church one hour. You can pop in and get in on an hour uh, for that to hear all about that. You'll, you'll get to watch some trailers about it, information about that. The email you got has some trailers that you can, you can watch and uh, a way for you to sign up for that meeting. And so I just want to encourage you to do that and to get in on that. That's a, a, an important thing for our church that's being launched uh, this fall. And, and I think maybe two reasons why I would encourage you to do it. Number one is not just because of the challenges our children and students are facing in today's world that is in many ways specific and unique to them, but also because this is just one example of a specific way that we can obey God's word. When he tells us to be set apart and to be holy in our lives, for God to be the priority over every area, this is an area where there's a lot of confusion right now. And for God to have priority over that, we need to talk about that. So I want to encourage you to do that and to be a part of it this fall. Because to hear what God would have to say to us and then not do it, it's building your life on the sand. And so this week, instead of just thinking, man, maybe that was a good thought or that was a good message, maybe reflect on how are you going to obey God's message? What does this look like in your life? What's it look like to give God the first part of every day? Maybe sometimes you think, you know, this first part of the day is just going to be for me. What would happen if, like it says over and over throughout Scripture, you actually set aside time every morning at the first part of your day, at the best part of that day to spend in prayer and reading of Scripture so you can connect with God? What if you started that way? I mean, frankly, sometimes my eyes and my time are experiencing the first parts of my day with things that aren't making me more like Jesus. It's not in that moment making Him the priority. Maybe you can give God the first of your week. Jesus raised from the dead and the early church gathered on those Sundays to fellowship and to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoting means they obeyed it and to prayer and to the fellowship. And maybe you actually make that a priority. You obviously did today to some respect, but you make that a priority in your life. Maybe today you, you hear this teaching about God being the priority. And, and so when you think about giving to God first and some of the things that Ed even mentioned in his communion video today about giving our, our finances and our money to God, I think it's important to remember in the Bible, it, it doesn't just talk about a, a 10% tithe, with, with both the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament talked about. It doesn't just talk about a tithe. It talks about giving the first, the first 10%. It, it, it's about the priority of it. it. It's the first of your income. It's the first of whatever you receive from God, the first of your finances. If he's the priority, it's not just giving him 10% of, of there, and it's like in the list of, you all budget. You got your expenses laid out every single month. You're tracking that. You're multiple times every single month, you're looking at that. And you're weighing all that and, and what that's going to look like. It doesn't mean tithe is somewhere in here. It means it's the first 10%. The, the first is what you give to God. That's the emphasis of Scripture. And in Deuteronomy 14.23... It even says there, 
Why do we tithe? Why tithe? The text says, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. That even, and especially through our resources, the first of what we receive, this is how we show that we revere God always, that he's the priority of our life. So even our giving shows that, which is why every week we give an opportunity to give to the Lord. But you can do that today, whether it's the boxes in the room or you can see how to do that online or through text to give and all those ways. So we give to God. We give to God first. In fact, I, I think even a way you could think about this is, is what if today, as you were walking out of here, uh, the rich uncle you did not know you had uh, came up to you and gave you $20,000 today and just said, hey, I know you don't know me, but um, this is yours and gave you $20,000, okay? Every one of you would have a list of things in your mind right now that 20000 could go towards. I don't know what it is. It may be going to repairs or savings or investments or to a home or to debt retirement or uh, you need a car or it could go to you know, loans or education or it could go to... I don't know what it could go to. And, and we don't have time right now for you just to list every single one of those in your list right now. But here's what I want you to do. Uh, I, I want you just to... What is the first thing that comes to your mind right now in that list, okay? A list of things that are in your mind right now, what's the first thing that comes to your mind that you would do with that 20,000? And what is the amount? So you don't have time to make the list of 10, 15, whatever it is, five things in your list, but just what's the one that comes to your mind? Okay, just let it, let it come to your mind. If you got $20,000 today, what's the first thing that comes to your mind where you would put a chunk of that money and then how much would you give? I want you just to think about that for a minute. I want you to think about what it is. You know, as you leave today, I hope that happens. I hope that happens. And someone's like, yeah. You know, if we hear someone screaming in the corner and I got a rich uncle, we'll all know what happened. But I don't know what came to your mind and what the dollar amount was, but if it was not God... And at least 10%, it just reveals your priority, right? It shows you your priority. Who's the priority of your heart, the priority of your affection, the priority of your time? I'm just now looking up at the clock and I'm sorry, I don't know what happened, but I'm way over. <laughs> and I'm just acknowledging it because there may be some of you sitting here going, he is way over. And it's, a, it's, it's sometimes when that happens, it uh, distracts people. So I'm just going to acknowledge it right now. So sorry about that. Uh, I guess I've been having fun this service. Sorry, Corey. I'll preach. Yeah, here we go. All right. <laughs> I was expecting it to say like one or two minutes, like, you know, wrap it up. So here's what I want to do. What is our priority today? Because here's what God says. Let's wrap it up with this. Haggai 2, 17 and 19. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree, they've not borne fruit. From this day on, from this day on, in fact, can you just read this with me? From this day on, I will bless you. From this day on, I will bless you. Why? Because you've made me the priority. 
from this day on. Mark it. Watch it. Take inventory. See where things are at in your life right now and all that empty, insignificant lack of fulfillment that you're experiencing right now. God's saying, I'm going to bless you. And it's not because you got bigger purses and you plugged up the hole. It's because you made me the priority. And watch the blessings flow. And this is what God does. And I don't know, maybe it's been a drought in your life for quite some time. And um, maybe it's because God's not been the priority in your heart. So today can be a new day. Or today you say, apart from him, I'm nothing. And maybe today you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You've been running from him. You've not been pursuing him. You've not made him the Lord of your life. And you know that you're condemned to hell without him. And today you need Jesus as your Savior. So today you need to believe. And you need to confess and repent and make him Lord of your life. You need to be baptized into Christ and be raised to new life with him. You need a resurrection. Hey, brothers, if you, you just need to, there needs to be a reordering of your heart today. And so I just want you to stand to your feet and as we sing, make this your prayer. God, come awaken my spirit. God, come awaken your people. Come awaken your city. God, do a new thing here. Let's make that our prayer as we sing. And I'll meet you right over here at Decision Point. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.